Better Understanding podcast is an invitation, an open-hearted, extended hand to increase our ability to work, lead, and live with one another more effectively. The premise and philosophy of the podcast is that it all begins with understanding ourselves and understanding others. In season one, and with some of the most successful experts and leaders of diversity and inclusion efforts in the world, we explored what it means to lead inclusively. In season two, we are bringing to life our Wall Street Journal best-selling book, Arrive and Thrive, via powerful stories, earned wisdom, and lessons learned from some of the world's preeminent leaders and thrivers. Join me, Susan McEntee Brady, as we explore how to arrive and thrive. I am thrilled to welcome General Leslie Smith to the Better Understanding podcast. By all accounts, General Smith has arrived and is still arriving and has thrived and is still thriving in many new endeavors. General Smith recently retired as the 66th Inspector General of the United States Army and now serves as the Vice President of Leadership and Education for the Association of the United States Army and the Carter Chair for Leadership at its alma mater, Georgia Southern. Les also serves on several corporate boards, and Les and I met when we both got involved with somewhat of a passion project called Our.Love, a relationship wellness technology startup. And what an honor it is to talk with him about arriving and thriving today. Welcome to the podcast, Les, and thank you so much for being with us today. Susan, I'm really glad to do this, and it's really an important topic that we need to talk about. So anything that you would add to your bio that I didn't cover? Yeah, just an average guy from Georgia who's been blessed to do a lot of different things. And I believe that as we provide opportunities for young people, they have the ability to excel. And I think you and I are perfect examples of that. Yeah, I'm just a kid from a little island who got a chance to. What, what, did, Les, what did childhood look like for you? Paint us a picture. I mean, here you just retired as a three-star general in the United States Army. You've had a story yeah. career. Tell us a little bit about you back then. It was great as a kid. It's, I'm a perfect example of from adversity comes success. And my dad died when I was five. Uh, so instead of people lamenting about what the problems were, or what the things were, there were expectations that were set for all of us. I have an older sister who's four years and nine months and a younger brother, five years and three days. But there were high expectations set for us. So we knew that your last name is Smith, and these are things that we're supposed to do. So normal things, play sports, do things that we need to as leaders. But there was something to live up to. Uh, so how did your early years influence how you view thriving? Yeah, and I remember this like yesterday. My mom would always tell us that I'm okay if you don't make a great grade as long as you worked as hard as you could. My problem is when, I, when you didn't work as hard as you could to execute the mission that you needed to do. So people talk about that tritely. But I think it's more important than ever before that village that surrounds that young person focuses on that, young, that one young person at a time that they're supposed to be doing the things that they're supposed to do. You cannot be what you cannot see. And I know we're going to talk about that, but it, I think that those early years of the perceived struggle, I was a middle kid. So the middle kid always has different things they got to work through, but also the oldest man, which is another conversation that we could have. You and I had that a little bit in common. I was raised by a single father and I was the only woman in the household. And there's all sorts of gender expectations that probably fell in that were never talked about, right? About what it mm -hmm. means to be 
us in the world. What would you credit as having the most impact on thriving in your career? Because just because you were held to expectations and looked after and you needed to put effort in, it doesn't translate into necessarily a professional life of thriving. Yeah, but I do think that investments that are made in people at a young age, if we all understand what that means, then, and then it's up to the young person to take the advantage of what the opportunity that's given to me. As I mentioned before, on the following podcast, we probably need to talk about Mumbai, Mississippi, and other places that set the conditions. So the first people I saw that were entrepreneurs were my uncle, who had his own place called Smitty Snack Shack. That's what my first, first it's true, I'm making this one up. First barbershop haircut was at his barbershop. My, I had a, a, another uncle who was a dean of physics and math at Alcorn State University in Lorman, Mississippi. So, wow, interesting. So the expectations were there. And it wasn't just a high end. I had uncles who worked at FedEx in Memphis or were 18 wheel drivers there. So it's so important that folks understand. And the people I was afraid of the most were the teachers who were the sisters of my dad, that these are expectations we have for you. This is what we expect. And each kid understood what that meant. It didn't happen to be that, that uh, we didn't have a lot of things, but there were expectations that were set. And the tripart thing that we got to work through is you got your school requirements that has oversight. You got your community requirements and you have to have your church or whatever that, that other aspect that you got to have. All those three things got to come together to help the young person before they can walk. And the animal sector, the parents responsible for teaching the kid how to survive. And, but they got to get up to that point. So that's why we as a community have to do that same thing until the young person knows how to do it themselves. Maybe implicit in there somewhere is your definition of thriving. But when you think of thriving, what comes to mind? What you set your mind to, you do. And you do it well. But I think that comes from experiences of failure. And we didn't talk about that. I'm not, I didn't do everything right the first time. And I think that kind of set me up. And I was explaining this to my girls about playing high school sports. I didn't make my high school sport team a football until a senior in high school. So think about that. Going through, didn't make this team. Didn't make that team. And there's a multitude of reasons why. And that doesn't matter, but it set conditions for who you were. And so peaking at the right time is peaking at the right time. You could take that to a sports analogy of everybody wants to get there quick enough, but a lot of Braves fans, they peaked at the right time last year to win the, uh, the pennant. They were not thought of and halfway through that they were the number one team, but they peaked at the right time. So what I would tell your listeners is focus on peaking at the right time. And what's that right time? I don't know, but it's different for every person. And don't be rushed to, to get to the position. I got to be in charge now. I must be the leader. And I, we can keep talking about this, but in order to grow, you got to go. Yeah, so you're mentioning something really interesting, which is this need it right now, want it right now. And what I'm hearing you say is breathing some life into this and taking some time to get to not the destination, but the journey that I'm right. hearing. The journey is, is part of the destination. If you only focus on where you, the end state and you don't enjoy what you're doing, you won't appreciate that. And then you won't understand why you were there to go to where you needed to go. So at the end of the day, the season two of this podcast is we're all about leadership here. You're about leadership. Arriving and thriving was, it is, I think, a, has become a movement and a little bit of a 
unveiling of how tricky arriving can be for some of us, depending upon what color skin we have and the kind of family we wake up to and the kind of Mm -hmm. education we're afforded to and all that Mm -hmm. jazz. As you think about leadership, what has been important to you in your own journey of development and what do you find yourself talking most about to others when they say, come tell us about leadership? Oh yeah, this is, this is, and I've been talking about this since a long time. So I'll give you a couple of acronyms to use. And one of my mentees reminded me of this lead, train, care, and maintain. So leadership in everything that you do, training, provide opportunities for yourself and others to do this, genuinely care for your people, and then figure out how to maintain yourself and your equipment and those folks that are around you. And that maintenance could be something as simple as taking a nap on the weekend if you don't have anything to do. And then purposely setting it that way so you can regenerate, so you can be your best self, so you can thrive even more. So give me an example of one of those for you. Yeah. So leadership. So when a leader's in a position, they set the vision, the climate, direction for the organization. But the same leadership is required when you're the number two, because you got to take the leadership of the boss and the vision, direction, guidance, and implement it within the organization. And everybody's got to know that you're on board with what the leader's doing. And it becomes your vision. It becomes your mission. I give you a case in point. Before I became the inspector general, I was a deputy inspector general to another three-star general. So I took his vision and implemented it. When I became the inspector general, I changed it to adapt it to what I needed to do. But since I was a good soldier, People saw me as a good leader because I knew how to follow. One of the ruts, and we've chatted about this a little, but I want to bring our listening audience in. One of the ruts we get into, I think the civilian world gets into when they think about army leadership, especially those of us who don't consider ourselves the typical person in power in corporate America, i.e. woman, is this command control ethos of the United States Army or how the military services are taught to lead. Can Mm -hmm. you help some of the leadership ethos of the military or maybe just your experience in the army for application for mm-hmm. leaders? I think they're not different. They're just different. It's different terminology. And so let's say, for example, the other thing I talk about is trust. And you've heard me talk about the bedrock of the profession. Any profession is trust. So the leader's first responsibility is how they build trust, not only up and down the chain of command, the organization, but laterally amongst the peers. And how, you, how do you build trust? I'll give you a case in point. The new organization I'm in now, we started having Monday meetings. And people are like, why are we having Monday meetings? First off, I want to hear what you're doing. But secondly, I want others to hear what you're doing. And once you start hearing what you're doing, the synergy is created by those groups of people who hear a topic that you're talking about that they can support or the other way around. So it's, it's beginning to have appreciative communication. I'm pretty sure, yeah, I, I guess that's the technical I don't know. That <laughs> comes to mind. At least I'm knowing what the other person is doing, but like exactly. some exactly. of this stuff is it's just good communication. Good communication. an environment for thriving. Exactly. And uh, I'll give you another case support. Me and the, one of the other vice presidents, we planned a uh, impromptu pizza party. And everybody was like, why are we planning this pizza party? Like, we just want to tell you guys, thank you. And we know we're going to do a lot of work and we appreciate what you're doing. And I just so happen to be, Driving down the road, I couldn't get back. So I was Facebook living with the guys and telling them this before they started eating the pizza. Because I think it's important for the leader to say the why to what we're doing. 
So we're in this, you know, futurist hybrid post-pandemic-ish working environment. What are some trends you're seeing emerge and what do you think leaders want right now? Yeah, they want a, a sense of purpose and they want people to be genuine with them, hear what they want that they say, and then take action. on it. Okay, let's put this in the right perspective. What's really most important? And I think those companies who know how to arrive and thrive will pivot faster and not fight the process of saying, you must be here every day. You're going to lose people and you got to understand what those things are. You got to get done. But that comes back to building trust. That trust thing is so important. If you build trust in your organization, then people will listen to what you're going to say because you've already built the trust piece. It is important to take the time to invest in your people to see what they want to do so they can execute what you need them to do. One thing our listeners can do to build trust today with the people we work with. Be genuine. And let me pull that thread just a little bit. Okay. Be genuine, not to ask people how they're doing just because as that means to ends that you actually really care. I'll give you a case in point. One of my directors had a procedures plan for the day and I put it on the top of my calendar. I knew he wasn't in the office. So I called his number two and says, Hey, how is such and such doing? Well, we found out he had to wait because there's something else that happened in the hospital that he got bumped down. I said, okay, appreciate it. Thanks for letting me know once you find out something. Click. Two minutes, checking on your people affect not only two people, but the entire directory because you're investing in the folks and they know that it matters. And one other thing I will tell you, a leader's presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C, only matters when you're present, P-R-E-S-E-N-T. People pay attention to how you interact with them. Just like we're on this Zoom call. And I'm not looking around. Like that, doing all this. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But when you're in person with somebody, you must be present. Not only just present with the external things that can distract us, but yes. I talk a lot about managing our own narrative in our minds so that when we start to criticize or start to drift off, we bring, we have a practice to bring ourselves back to the here and now because it's the most honoring thing we can do. Uh, yeah. I was just talking with a group of leaders about the dilemma that organizations are facing with leading right now and how we're pretty ill-equipped to create this concept of belonging which I think is predicated on trust. When we've got half our team not with us and half our team with us, what you're talking about is elegantly simple and I think really hard to do consistently. Do you have a story uh, over the course of your career where you feel like maybe this went well? Or I will tell you the biggest thing that I learned as a colonel level commander was I had a two-star boss. He was the commanding general of the installation that, that follow on I commanded that same installation. We used to play golf once a month. It was called the installation commander's golf scramble. It's a big deal, huge. And he okay. was sending a note out Thursday afternoon. I am fired up to see all my teammates out there, so on and so forth. And I'm thinking, man, I got too much to do. I'm a brigade commander. I got to train. I got to do all these different things. But that was where we're supposed to be, not just to play golf, but to form the team. Okay. Right? And the follow-on associated with that, was we used to have this thing called, they call it fabulous fakes. We would dress up one year. We went as the blue man group. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm telling my wife, why am I signing up for this? And the, the commanding general's wife was very nice and says, it's not about you, Colonel. It's about all the people that you free up by you doing it. And it was like, whoa, I get it. 
It's not about you. It's the people that you're freeing up by allowing yourself to be a fabulous fate. We dressed up as Blue Man Group and we performed to the music. It's, it's very interesting, but it was so simple because it was a fundraising thing for the installation to help different people. But if the leaders did it, other people participated. Leaders do not realize how important that presence and being present, but also setting the example for what's expected. I had another mentor to tell me, meet somebody new every day. And I don't mean, he didn't mean by somebody who could help you every day. Just somebody new every day. That could be the guy taking out the trash. It could be the Uber guy. It could, whatever it is, the person that you're engaging at the time is the most important person that you're dealing with. So, you know, that Janet and Lynn and I wrote this book, Arrive and Thrive. It's got seven practices. We framed it for women. I think the practices are pretty ubiquitous and apply to all identities. Was there one among the seven that you related to? And can you share with our listening audience a little about what that is and why? Oh boy. Yeah, I can relate to all of them. I think embracing authenticity is great. And we talked about what those things are. The higher you go, the more transparent you have to be. And that is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. Just like I told you about my background. Leaders have a problem with this particular notion. I know. And I want to just flag it. Uh, qualified transparent. Is it transparent about me personally or is it transparent about what's going on in the organization? Yes. But, but when you're transparent about yourself, it allows you to become transparent about the organization. So if you tell somebody, I have a family, my kid was up all night, I didn't get any sleep. You're, you're like, I'm here. Oh, they're humans. Oh, wow. But if you actually, here's another little tidbit for all the direct reports for those guys on the, on the podcast today, find out their birthdays and anniversaries and don't just call them on that day. Call their spouse if they have a spouse and say, thank you for what your family member is doing in support of our company. It is free, but it will pay return on your investment more double and triple just by investing in the people that, that serve with you. I had the privilege and honor of attending your retirement ceremony. And so I, I felt this then, but I, I'm feeling it now too. The wonderful quote by Maya Angelou, I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. People will never forget how you made them feel. And mm -hmm. I think some people feel like that's an art and some people feel like that's a science. And for those people who are like, oh, and so was just a great guy to work for. Or she's just got the Midas touch. Like she's just great. For the rest of us, I think you're talking about some secret sauce here that entails making some very specific, even micro actions that show people you care. Is that how and you build trust? That's it. And it comes via time. People will trust you and they will trust you more the more you invest in them. So I would tell everybody, take the focus off yourself and focus on other people and it will cause dividends more than what you think. So what's your favorite self-care practice? We talk in the book about well-being and taking care of oneself in any realm. And it can be really anything related to a practice or not. But yeah. any tips you have for our listening audience about self-care? Because there's yeah. never a good time. Take naps on the weekend. Yeah. I, I just discovered napping. I highly recommend it. I tell Fadija, my wife, about that all the time. She's like, how can guys do that? Because that's, we just shut it off. Sorry. We just shut it down. And you got to, you have to learn how to do that. 
in order to be the best person and thrive. Because if you're going 24-7, 365, you cannot be the best person that you can be for the organization and for your family, frankly. And the other part is, as I mentioned, do things that make you happy. Don't beat your head against the shoulder, against the wallet on something. There's going to be enough things that you have to do, but don't get excited about things and keep it in perspective. Our first practice is about investing in your best self. And the way we define it is where your strengths and talents come together with where you're called to give of your talents to others, add value to others, and where you experience joy and vitality. When all of those things come together, we're in our best self. If a camera were to capture you in your best self, what would we see? What are you doing? What am I doing? I am, I'm talking to young people about what it means to be a good leader. Um, just as we did this week, when I tell you this quick story, my, my youngest daughter is a, a junior in medical school that she just passed the step one test. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation about going to medical school, how you invest in young people to get them to see, not just medical school, just whatever the process is. But one of her friends didn't pass the test for the second time. Which, what that means is, is that she has to sit out of school for a year. So she, Tori says this, no, and, and yeah, it's a big deal. And it's distraught because she's like, oh my gosh, this is my good friend. But what I do is I send a note to my network of doctors, other folks that I know. And I saw one of, this happens, this one couple who's a radiologist and she's a researcher. And they both said, today is a big deal. In four years, it's a blip. And so on the way back, we called this young lady on the phone and says, I want you to know that we have your back. Right. Whatever you want to do, whatever you need, we're going to help you do that. So that's my best example. Investing in my best self is investing in other people because that's my return on my investment. You and me both, my friend. So let's leave listeners with a couple of your favorite tips. If you want them to remember General Smith and remember your imprint, it's been such a meaningful conversation already. What, what yes. would you? you would want them to be sure they don't forget? Yeah, it's a good one. I would tell them to remember the Spider-Man rule. With great power comes great responsibility. And Spider-Man became Spider-Man because he failed to take action when he had a chance to do it. So as a leader, when it's your time to take action, you must do it. The last thing I would tell you is trust is the bedrock of any profession. And as we spend time building trust in organizations, it will help our bottom line. Focus on the trust. And that helps us achieve the goals, profit and loss, whatever growth we're talking about that we will do. And again, just be genuine. People want to know the real you. They want to touch the real you. And that is a strength over weakness all day. I love it. So embrace authenticity. General Smith, how can our listeners find you online? Easy. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, Lieutenant Joe Leslie Smith, I think it's LTG Leslie Smith on, on Instagram and Smith Les Two on Twitter. I do Facebook a little bit, but not much. General Smith, Les, thank you for taking time to be with us today on the Better Understanding Podcast. What a gift it is to have you and your insight. Thanks right. for doing this. Thanks for coming.